0: So good to see everybody. How many are happy today? How many came expecting the Lord to do amazing things? I know you did because I could feel it in the atmosphere. And we just want to welcome all our at-home people today. If you guys could just give them a, a great big shout today. We miss all of you and we know that you're being faithful online But we cannot wait to all be together. Amen. How many is looking for just a little bit of normal? it was so weird. I was sitting on my couch the other day and a Target commercial came on for school. And it had nothing to do with like Zoom meetings. It had nothing to do with COVID. It was like a normal Target commercial. And for like 30 seconds, I felt like we were back to normal, you know? I'm like, oh, how much I miss that. But I believe the Lord's having his way in the middle of all this. And uh, we know he's going to have the final say. But I am so excited because we are launching our 21 days of prayer and fasting, everybody. And we started today. So if you weren't prepared today, that's okay. We say grace, grace. But if you want to go home today, uh, get a plan of action together. We've posted some things on Facebook um, in the event, so different kind of fasts that you can choose. You don't have to go like uh, a full-blown fast. You can just Choose something that you're going to sacrifice that time that you would eat in prayer. And uh, let's just see the Lord do some amazing things. Every time we do a 21-day fast and prayer, I mean, every year we do it in January, something significant happens in our church and in our lives. And so I just felt the Holy Spirit calling our church to an actual 21-day of fasting and prayer again in the middle of the year. Because how many know God is shifting things right now? God is shaking everything that can be shaken right? He's testing our faith right now in this season. And so we want to be right in alignment with what God is doing. And I found out after we had declared it that there are hundreds of churches that started fast today. And I didn't know that. Chris Hodges, which has a community of churches, there are hundreds and hundreds of churches that are beginning today. So I believe the Lord is calling the church, amen, to really take her rightful place and get us where we need to be. I was so excited because, um, You know, we've been preaching about turning the church inside out, uh, really allowing God to do both, be in the church, and then also let us be an extension of the church and what that looks like. And so I've been talking to my dad on the phone, and I said, you know, I just am struggling with the churches in California. I'm like, at what point are they just going to make a stand? You know, because the governor is so unrighteous, and he obviously hates the churches, and so they can't sing in their churches. They can't have church. He's even trying to say no Bible studies in their homes. I mean, talk about a demonic spirit. Amen. And uh, you know what happened last Sunday? A few churches got together. There was over thousands of people that met on the beach and worshiped God by the ocean and were baptizing people in the ocean. Is that not amazing? And when I saw that I went that 's church that is what we 're supposed to be doing, not locked up in our little four walls only, but being a light to the world so god i 'm telling you he 's going to have this final say in what he 's doing in this season. I am so excited to, write, to be right on the precipice of this moment in the kingdom. So I've been teaching, this week will be week two on Lost, our Lost series, and if you missed last week, I just encourage you to jump online and catch up on that, because it'll kind of tie it all together. I might be wrapping it up today, and I might not, we'll see, I might have one more teaching out of this, but last week, I left off on a, a verse, and it was the unconditional love of God. I really ended it, wrapped up our whole service in that. Well, as soon as I begin to say that out of my spirit, it's like God just quickened me so big. And he said, I want you to bring home to them my unconditional love. I really want them to get a revelation of my love. Because we can know God's love. You know, I could say, do you know God loves you? Yeah, God loves me. But do we really know it? Do we live our life knowing God loves me? Do we make decisions in our life? knowing God loves me. So I want to take you back to the roots of the word so that you can get a revelation of where God's unconditional love comes from and what are the benefits of that. Amen. I learned this very young in my walk with Christ and I know because of it, because I got a real revelation that he loved me no matter what, it was like the uh, turnkey of every decision in my spiritual walk with God. And I can literally go back to 17, which I'll share that story with you later, that I got such a revelation of who he was in my life that my longevity of my walk with Christ is here because I learned that in my baby steps with Jesus. Because, listen, the enemy's going to throw a lot of things at you. The world's going to throw a lot of things at you. People you think that love you will throw things at you, right? Things are going to come at you as believers. That happens. But when you know God's love and the benefits of that, nothing can shake you it may rattle you a little bit, it may bend you a little bit, but I'm not going to be moved. I've never stopped loving Jesus since I, I knew his love. I've never walked away from the faith because I learned his love in my life. And my prayer is that you'll truly get this revelation also in your life. So let's go to 1 John. I'm going to kind of pick up where we left off last week, but I want to go back to the very beginning of the chapter because I was going to prophesy this, and I'm like, no, Barb, it's in your teaching, so just hang on. Uh, But I really believe that this is what the Lord wants to give you. This letter was written by John, possibly they feel. Um, It's not real clear, but they feel the writings are similar to something John would write. And uh, he's writing to the church that has gone through some things. That's had some trials. He's writing to the church that has had heresy and false teachings given. So he's always writing a letter to bring some kind of message of what God is saying. Well, if you look at the beginning of the letter in in verse 4, chapter 1, he says this, and these things we write to you that your what? Joy. Everybody say joy. joy. Joy may be full. And I believe God is wanting his kids to be full of joy. I know God wants to give you your laughter back, and I don't mean like I had a great vacation kind of joy, right, or I had a good time with my friends kind of joy. I'm talking about a bubbling joy of the Holy Spirit in your heart again, where we are just excited for the Lord. We're excited for the Word of God. I'm excited to get in His presence. I can't wait to pick my fast. Come on, somebody. I can't wait to deny my flesh, right? That's a joy. God wants to, the Bible says, fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of praise. Can you you think of the last time, and maybe some of you are full of joy, and that's awesome, where you really just woke up going, man, this is a good day. I don't care what I'm facing. I don't care what I'm going through. I've got the joy of the Lord that is my strength, and nothing can move me. I'm not going to look left or right, but I've got that completeness of laughter in the middle of what's ever going on. Amen. God wants to give us our joy back our joy for loving him, our joy for serving him, our joy for sharing the gospel with other people, right? God wants to fill us up again. And I believe, even as I was prophesying, I could feel the Holy Spirit saying, this just isn't a good word. This is a prophetic word for you. It's time to get our joy back. You know, it, it, there's so many things, of offenses and, and opinions and hurts, and there's so much dividing uh, the body of Christ right now dividing believers on separate. We all have a stance, and that is so demonic, and those kind of things steal our joy, don't they? They steal our peace, and the devil's just working all his little antics right now, but God is, it's like God's the big shepherd. He's like, okay, come on, guys. You've had enough time. You've been going crazy. You've been acting up. Now God's calling his sheep back home. Come on, somebody. God's calling his church back home. It's time to build the kingdom of God once again. So so let's get our joy back. So this is the whole premise of what God wants to do when you learn who he is and the benefits of what he's done. You have the joy of the Lord that is your strength. And nothing, say nothing, can take that from you. Amen? Nothing. So let's look at um, John, 1 John, and I'm going to go to verse 7. And it says this, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now we have to start with the very beginning. What is the power of the blood of Jesus? what are the benefits from the blood of Jesus? I was talking this morning and I kept saying the blood of Jesus. And it was like, ooh, that doesn't sound like a good topic. It almost seems like a little creepy to say that over and over. But listen, there is life in the blood of Jesus. There is freedom in the blood of Jesus. God didn't send his son just to die a dirty death for eternity. That blood speaks today life into your soul. Amen? So we gotta understand, what is the blood? So if you go back to the beginning, when God walked with Adam and Eve, the Bible says he walked in the cool of the day every day. That means every day God just showed up wherever, you know, wherever um, the Garden of Eden was, and they fellowshiped and they communed. Listen, we were created for fellowship with God. He created us. I can't even imagine what Adam talked to God about. Like, what do you talk to God about, right? Like, God, thank you for that tree over there. That was really good fruit today. I was like a new one, God, you know? I don't know what they talked about, but God came down in intimacy with man. God came down in fellowship with man. And what happened? Sin entered the world, right? Now, I want you to listen because I know you know this, but I want you to hear this revelation from the Spirit, that what happened when there was sin, sin brought separation from God and man. That means there was no intimate relationship with the Father anymore. There was no going into his presence and feeling his anointing. There was no going into his presence and hearing his voice or talking with him. There was a separation. Now look at it. If we've got the blood of Christ, what does the devil try to do today in our sin, in our mistakes and failures? Still trying to separate us from God making us feel unworthy, making us feel like we're not good enough, we don't measure enough, my mistakes were too great, I'm too old, or whatever it is that the devil lies to us. And it separates us when at the beginning, what did God do? He said, in order to redeem my people, because God always has a plan of redemption. God always has a, a plan of restoration. Listen, God always wants to give back to his kids right? Because he first loved us. He gave to us and then we received it. And then we give love back to him. That's the first design. It's not us loving God and God goes, oh, you loved me? Thank you. I'm going to love you back. Oh, you you gave to me? Thank you. I'm going to give back to you. And God's like, no, no, I set the standard here. I gave first. I love first. So it's reciprocal because I gave it to you and now you can give it to me, but we've got it backwards. We think, oh, I give to God. I've earned my love from God. Now, we don't think that maybe outright, but something inside us feels like we have to perform for the love of God. I have to show up. I got to go to my post. I got to worship this way. And all these legalistic religious things that we do, we think that acquires the love of God. And God says, no, you don't acquire my love because I am love. So God gave you himself. So you already have all the love that you need. Love is not an emotion. It isn't an emotion of God, like, I feel like I want to love you. No, God says, I give you myself. So He says, when you draw nigh to me, I'm going to draw nigh to you. I'm giving you me, which is what? Fellowship. Our design is to have a relationship with the Father, and that's what gives us our joy. And so God had to do what? He had to sacrifice an animal, and what was required for the sins? Blood. It was always a blood sacrifice. It was the covenant that God made. I'm going to kill the animal, and I'm going to forgive you of the sins because of that blood. But Jesus said, I want to bring back the nature to why my kids were created, and that is to have fellowship with me, not a distance from me. So he said, I'm going to send my son to die on the cross, and they said that all the blood that was in his body was drained. There was no blood left in the body of Jesus when they took him off the cross. God says, I'm going to give it all for you. And it isn't just for eternity, it's for the benefits right now. So what does the blood do for us today? Well, I want you to look at this um, study that I did. You have to remember, before Jesus came, it was established that we were all unrighteous, right? We all were in need of a Savior, and we all deserved judgment. But God sent his son, Jesus, that we didn't deserve it, but he died on that cross for us for redemption, that I don't have to work for that love and forgiveness anymore. It was given to me from God and from Jesus. So the covenant, I want you to look at this. What does the blood do for us? The covenant of the love of God reaches beyond satisfaction of justice. In other words, just as if I never sinned, justification of your sins. It's more than just the forgiveness on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, we have forgiveness, and we're going to spend eternity when we take our last breath, amen? That's a huge part of it. But God says it's deeper than that. The blood establishes a bond of the fellowship in the bond of Jesus. So God says, when I sent my son, I established a new fellowship with you again. God is longing for his kids to have a relationship with him. He's longing for that intimacy, and it comes not based on how I feel, because the enemy in your life and situations are always going to tell you you're not good enough. It's always going to tell you God is forsaken you. It's always going to make you feel like you are separated from God. But by the cross, there is no more separation. The divide, the bridge has been made, and you have access to the Father any minute that you need him, any second that you need him. You have grace and mercy that follows you all the days of your life. And if we can get that revelation, it will change our relationship with the Father. It will change how we make decisions. It will be easy to let go when we're offended. It'll be easy easy to forgive when people don't deserve forgiveness. Why? Because he first forgave me. I know what the blood did for me. I know the the blood redeemed me. The Lord forgave me. So guess what? I can forgive you, and I don't have to be proven right. I don't have to make myself look good. All I have to do is receive this love God gave me and let God speak wherever else he needs to speak. But we've got to receive this bond with the Father, fellowship. We get so busy coming to church and doing church, and that's all wonderful. But at the end of the day, my bond is my relationship with the Father. I have to know God Monday. And I got to know him Tuesday. And I got to know when my boss ticks me off. And I got to know when somebody betrays me. And I got to know when somebody has false accusations. And I got to know when I want to quit and give up. I got to know the fellowship with the Father in every moment of my walk with him. Because at any moment I could get derailed and completely get lost in my life and get tossed with the winds here and tossed with the winds there. But when you are anchored in the love of God, in the blood, I have a covenant, I have a bond with the Father that nobody can take it away from me. Listen, I have a relationship with God, you could never take that away from me. Nobody can hurt me enough, nobody can offend me enough. Believe me, they have. And they've tried. But because I know God's blood covenant, I am not moved. I don't walk away from my relationship. I try my best not to lose my joy. I try my best to walk in love with other peoples when they don't deserve to be loved. Why? Because I have a bond with God. And that bond happened in the intimate places. The bond didn't happen in corporate worship. I needed a date with Jesus one-on-one. I need to go into a sanctuary. I need to go into my closet or get in my car and go for a drive. I've got to find the father one-on-one because I need a fellowship with him. Listen, God wants to speak to his kids in this season. God wants to tell you dreams and promises and what he's doing in this season. He wants to speak hope and life over your children, over your finances, over your future. He'll speak to you for the church, whatever it is. God is longing to go back to the original Status and that is fellowship with his kids. When I was, and I've shared this story a few times in our church, but it's, it's my personal story. But when I was raised in a Christian family, I had, you know, Bishop and Pastor Gloria, like we had Bible studies and miracles and people were being delivered, and all these wonderful things were happening in my life as I grew up. But I hit an age where I had to know God myself. I had to find this fellowship with the Father and know his voice and know his word that wasn't under the shadow of my parents. And so listen, I was raised around all of this, but there was a time where God's like, but I'm going to teach you who I am to you. And and long story short, God was trying to get my heart strings and teach me things that get me prepared for ministry because little did I know two years later, I'd be launched into full-time ministry. But at 18 or 17 or 18, I was dating this guy. It's too long to go into, but God says, it's not the one and, and all of that. And so I obeyed God. I broke it off. I obeyed God and my heart was broken. How many know sometimes obeying God is not always easy? I just thought I'd have some like super Jesus power, you know, with a cape. Like, yeah, I did the will of God, you know. and Like, no, sometimes obeying God hurts the heart. And you don't understand why God's requiring that. You don't understand why this is happening. But you know you are compelled to obey God. And I did. And man, the only thing I could think was to get to the church. Like somehow there's just some hope in a church, you know. And the sanctuary happened to be open. The doors happened to be open. It was the middle of the week. And I went in the back of the church and I laid across the pew. And I'm crying out to God. I'm like, God, my heart is broken. And I don't understand why does this hurt? If I obeyed you, why does this hurt so bad? But the Lord was teaching me something. He said, the relationship you had with him, I want with you. Now, I grew up in the church, so you think I would understand that, but I didn't know what that meant, that fellowship, the bond that God needed to do in my heart to him. It was beyond religion. It was beyond just reading the Bible. It was a fellowship bonding me to who he was that I would always follow his plan no matter what, right? Right? And so I said, okay, God, well, how do I do that? You know, I, I didn't even understand what that meant. And, you know, back in the day, you know, there was no texting. You didn't own cell phones. And, and I said, he well, how do you know people? How do you get to know people that you know now? And I said, well, I write them letters. And he's like, yeah, you can write letters to me. And, he, and I said, I talk on the phone. I spend time with them. And he's like, exactly. That's how you know me. It's just that simple. It's spending time with the Father. It's talking to him. It's sharing with you. It's communing and allowing God to be intentional and speaking back to you, and I remember from that day forward, I started writing letters to the Lord, literally, like this was just me and Jesus. I didn't even think much about it, but I was like, dear Jesus, you know, whatever a girl at 17 cares about her day, you know, and I would just write him every day. I was very committed to this, write to him every day, and a couple years, and I still do. I don't do it in that format anymore, but I still keep journals. And so I went to a Bible study a couple years later after that, and this couple, this family that I didn't know, and they were all praying, and the, the couple said, we're going to pray for you. And they laid hands and started praying over me. And the husband speaks up, and he prophesies. He said, the Lord told me to tell you the letters that you write him, he reads them every day. And it took this God that was I loved but was so far out here, and it brought him right here. I'm like, you mean God cares about the sun was shining today? You mean God cares that I was hurting and I was rejected? You mean God, care- God cares about what you're going through? He cares when you're hurting. He cares when you're lost. He cares when you make mistakes. He loves you enough. But he's saying, I need you to come close to me. This is where the bond takes place. And listen, when the world gets shaken, and it probably will be shaken a little bit more, and who knows, 15 years from now, it could be a great shaking. We don't know what's going to come, but the ones that will sustain it will be the ones that have the bond of the blood and the fellowship with the Father. Amen? Why? Because God's growing us. And so there's this power in the blood. So what happens? You have to, as a Christian, have faith in the blood of Jesus. It's a faith. It's I'm trusting that the benefits of that blood is going to work for me. I have to trust that. So what are the benefits of the blood, right? It's a bond of fellowship. The second one is this. It's deliverance from the wrath of God. Is there a list there you can put up? I think it should be there somewhere. Is anybody back there? There we go. Deliverance from the wrath of God. Listen, no matter what you do, no matter what you go through, if you feel God is mad at you, that is not the presence of God because God delivered you from his anger. He's not angry with you anymore because you've repented of your sins. Now you have grace and mercy. So if you feel like God is angry, it's not the spirit of the Lord. Now God will convict you. Holy Spirit will. God will uh, correct you. He'll do that, but he's not angry at you. And when you know that, no matter how I feel, no matter what situation, God, I I have faith in your blood that you are not angry with me. And it's a choice. It's a choice that when I die and go to heaven, I know I'm going there. And that's by faith. It's a choice that you're not angry with me. God, you love me no matter what I do. He said, I loved you from your past and I love you from your future. I'm going to love you always. It means victorious living. You have victory in everything that you go through. And if you think it's based on what you do from God, you miss the victory. Because then you're lining up this, I do, I do this, and God does that. No, God did it for you. You have victory in your mind, in your soul, in your life. You have freedom. You have joy. You have whatever you need because of the blood of Jesus. Isn't that powerful? Thank you, Jesus, that I have victory. I can choose one day to wake up feeling worthless and lost and don't know what God's doing, but I can choose victory. I can put my feet on the ground and say, this is the day the Lord has made, and I'm gonna rejoice and be glad in it. God, you are in my day. You have victory, you have favor, you have blessings for my life because I'm your kid. Period, end of sentence. Right? God's so good. It means what? No more separation from God. If you feel like God is so far away, and sometimes there are seasons, you're like, God, hello, are you up there? Sometimes you can not feel God for a season. Those are, those are emotions, though. Those are things of the flesh. Scripturally, I never leave you. I never forsake you. So it's by faith. When I don't feel God, when I wonder where he's at, is he moving on my behalf? Yes, because I believe in the blood of Jesus. I believe in the benefits of the cross. He is there. He is moving. He's making a way. I don't know how, but I trust him. Amen that's the blood working for our life. There's freedom, there's healing, there's favor, there's joy. All the benefits. These are the benefits of the Christians. Now the world is hopeless. The world is angry. The world is fighting, but the church shouldn't be. When you know what the cross did for you, when you know that blood that was shed for our lives, amen, I have every benefit of the word of God. Protection, you have protection. Now, do we use wisdom? Yes. We don't go at crazy, but that means I don't have to walk out in this world and be fearful for everything that I do. You don't have to be fearful over your children. Why? God's blood is covering my children. I speak the blood of Jesus over my kids every day. I speak the blood of Jesus over my helpmate or my spouse. Why? The blood protects. It did it at the great Passover. It was a symbol way back at the beginning. And God says, if you'll take that same blood and have faith in it, I will protect you In all your ways. Got giant angels following you, right, Pastor Paul? Giant angels left and right of me. Thank God, because I am so clumsy. Thank God for his angels. And my erratic driving. I even made my niece and nephew very nervous when they were here on vacation. So thank you for your angels. But I've got the blood of Jesus. I'm protected. Amen. I got the authority over the enemy. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me has to be defeated before me. In the name of Jesus, devil, you have to flee. In the name of Jesus, depression, you gotta go. In the name of Jesus, you spirit offense, you have to leave my life and heart. In the name of Jesus, what? that's the blood talking. That's the power of the living blood of Jesus Christ. That means you don't have to be overtaken by the enemy. You don't have to be overtaken by the things of this world. I've got Jesus. And if that's all I can say in my brokenness, if that's all that I can say in this moment, I'm going to say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. And when you're saying that, you're saying the blood. It was his blood, right? So the name of Jesus is the name above every name. Know the benefits of the blood as a believer, it's not just for eternity. I look forward to eternity one day, amen. But right now, I need some benefits of that blood. And that's through the Word of God. So it brings healing, it brings protection, and it brings authority over your life. So let's go over and let's look at where am I at here? Let's go to John chap first John chapter two. And I think I'm gonna start in. Did I give that verse to you guys? Two, verse one and two. Yeah. My little children. These things I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, what? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So what was the advocate? That was when you have Jesus in your life, that word advocate means to call, to come besides, beside you. So it's to call and to come besides. So when you're going through this feeling of feeling unloved, feeling unvaluable, feeling like you don't have a future, feeling like life is over, no, I have an advocate that I call to come beside me. That means you don't walk this journey alone. When you're going through it, I have the advocate with the blood that Jesus paid. I call on that advocate to come beside me and guide me through this situation. And Jesus will always make a way, right, where there seems to be no way. That's the advocate that you have, right? Verse 2, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. He was the replacement of my sin, and not for yours only, but for the whole world. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want to go over really quick to Romans chapter 5. and I might have got those a little out of order, but that's okay. Romans 5, 5. The word is still good, amen? All right, Romans 5, 5 says this. Now, hope does not disappoint Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. Now, I love this because it's that love, it's that agape love. My hope in what I'm going through is that agape love, that unconditional love of God, that agape means, listen, a love feast. That God has a love feast with you. He sits down. He's like, I'm just going to love them. I'm going to wrap my arms around them. I'm going to hold them. I'm going to tell them how good they are, how loved they are, how special they are. That's the love of God. And what? It doesn't disappoint. When hope does, God's love never disappoints. Why? Because it was poured out by the Holy Spirit. Where? Into my heart, into my soul. So when my soul is tormenting me, I have that unconditional love of God that is poured into my heart. Do you know the first time I heard God, and to this day, he does it this way with me. I'm not saying he has to do it with you, but this is just him and I. I sat down one day, and I had my notebook, my Bible, and a pen, which I do when I go to read the word, because I'm intentional to hear God. Like, I want to hear God. But this time, I'm like, God, I want to hear you from, I want to hear God's voice. And I probably have heard God's voice, but it never, I never realized it. I wanted to hear God's voice. And so I sat down with my pen and paper, and it, it required faith to know I'm hearing from God. Because our mind can get in, well, what is this God? I'm just making that up. All that can happen, but I'm having faith in the blood. I'm having faith in the bond of my fellowship that my Father is speaking to me. And that's how you hear Him. It's faith. I know God. When, you, when I hear in my spirit, I'm hearing your voice. And so the first thing the Lord said to me is he said, I love you. And that's where it started. I love you. And then I just begin to write from my spirit. I was weeping. I was like 18 years old. I'm weeping that God would choose to speak to me. And every time I go to the Lord to talk, it's the first thing he says to me is I love you. It's like, that's everything. I have, I have nothing else. I have the love of God. I have his belief in me. I have his trust in me. I have the hope of God. And at the end of the day, that's all I need. Now, is it all I want? No. We want a lot of other things in the world, amen. But at the end of the day, it's just the love of God. So powerful. All right, so let's go on and let's see where I'm at. Verse eight. So we're talking about the hope disappoints, but here's the love of God. Verse eight. But God demonstrated his own love towards us. Now, I want you to see this. God doesn't have to prove anything to you. God is God. He's who he is. He didn't have to do anything, but he said, I love them enough. I'm going to demonstrate. I'm going to put on display that I really love them. So God demonstrated his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, still sinners, he died for us. That means when you were in your sin, when you were in your anger, when you were in whatever you were going through, God says, I chose you first. I forgave you already. I love you unconditionally because I'm God. Now, I've been drawing you by my spirit, and it's your choice to surrender to me, but I love you in your sin. I love you when you make mistakes. Now, does God clean us up? Come on, yes. We mature and God begins to get that garbage out of us. But when I know his love, I know what he demonstrated on the cross for me. He showed me that he loved me. He showed me that he forgave me. He gave his very son for the benefits that I could live in today. And he didn't have to do that, but he did. He died for me. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Verse 10, or if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. What is God's ultimate plan? Reconciliation. Restoration. Amen. God wants to give it all back to you now. In that verse where it said, um, "When we were still sinners, in my sin," that word "sin" means this: it means missing the mark. Now, the original part of it is those who live devoted to sin that need to get born again. But as Christians, how many has ever missed the mark? Both hands, feet up in the air. We've missed the mark. We lose our way sometimes, and God says, in that moment where you miss the mark, I've not stopped loving you, and I've never stopped fighting for you. When you wander off, God's making a way. He's figuring out how he can get you right back where you need to be. That's the love of God. He's not throwing you away. I believe so strong in my heart, God is bringing the prodigal sons and daughters home. They are coming home. Because God loves the prodigal sons and daughters. God loves those who lost their way. And he's just making a way right now. He's cutting new paths to get them right back where they need to be. And that word sin means leaving a familiar road, taking the twisted paths that caused you to lose your way. That's what sin is. We lose our way. But it doesn't mean God doesn't stop loving us. He loves us in the middle of it. Amen. And he tries to find you, to align you. Thank God for his grace and mercy. Thank God that he loves me enough when I've gotten in my crazy ways, that he's always gonna keep me on the right path, amen? That's the grace and the mercy and the blood of Jesus that we have in our life. Listen, it's not based on our emotions. It's not based on how good we feel, it's just who God is. John 8, 32 says this, that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Know the truth, not feel an emotion, not feel like God's love. I love when I actually feel this stuff for God, but it's not always that way. I know the truth that he loves me unconditionally. I know the truth about the blood. I know the truth of the benefits that sets me free. Amen, it's not how I feel, it's not the emotions, it's what the word of God says, and that's where I find freedom. Now that word know, listen, we have to get we know God loves us till we know God loves us. And how it gets from your head to your heart is that word know means to experience. You have to experience God. You got, that's why you got to set time aside for this vast set a time for the word and a little bit of worship. Why? Because you need to know God. You need to experience him for yourself. Just like I did at 17. God wants you to know his presence, know his love, hear his voice. That's for all of his kids. Amen. It's time for us to experience him outside of church. Right? Outside of church. And I don't know where my verse is um, that I was going to say earlier, but about the maturing. I'm not sure where that was at. Let's go to 1 John 4 really quick. 1 John 4 maybe it's over here, 17, and no, excuse me, uh, 10, verse 10 says this. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, so he chose us first, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Go to verse uh, 17. Love has been perfected among, among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because he is, and so are we in this world, verse 18, there is no fear in love. There's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out all fear. Why? Because fear involves torment. See, when you don't know the love of God, you feel tormented. You feel like God's forgotten you. You feel like you're never going to make it. You feel like you're never going to have that breakthrough. That's torment. When you feel that way, there's somewhere in your life you have not allowed the love of God to come into your heart. So we can't ignore it. We can't deny it. I just got to say, I need God's love to take away that fear, to fill up that part of my heart. Now it goes on to say, there's no fear in love, but what? Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love. It doesn't mean it is God's perfect love, but that word perfect means mature. So in your walk with God, God needs to mature that love understanding. He's going to grow up that love that you may not get it right away but once you start experiencing it god's going to mature it and then he'll take you a little deeper and a little deeper in knowing him and perfecting this understanding and you'll get to a place and go there's no turning back in my life i remember the day i was walking with jesus and i went i could not there's no going back i came to a place with him that there was just no option i could never walk away from the lord because i learned too much he perfected his love in me too much That no matter what happened, I was always drawn back to the word of God as the anchor of my soul. And that's what God wants for his kids too, amen? Verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. I'm just going to say that over and over. We love him because he first loved us, amen? He chose us and then we chose him. And it's not the other way around. Let me close with this this morning. When you really know the love of God, and this is where you can just check yourself, you know? You will never doubt your eternal salvation. You'll never doubt it. Because you're going to know, God forgives me no matter what. And if there's a place in your heart that you wonder, my gosh, find some, a love of God. Go get that love from the Holy Spirit and allow fellowship with God. Because what fills us up with this unconditional love? Fellowship. It's the only way. Not a good message. This is instructing you. But a good message doesn't fill you up. Fellowship with the Father does. A prophetic word, Lord, just prophesy. And that's not going to fill you up. It's the bond of fellowship. It's the relationship with the Father. You never think that you're not good enough. Never think you are not good enough. That will go away. You don't feel like you measure up. You don't feel like God could use you. You don't feel like your life looks normal. Find the love of God. Pull on the faith of the blood to be everything. You, um, you'll never doubt that He is healing you. You'll never doubt He's healing you. You'll always pull on that anointing. You'll never doubt He's providing for your needs. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know what it looks like or how you're going to, but God, you are my provider. Amen. Never think that he is the author of bad things. The devil brings bad things. The world brings bad things. God brings life. He's the author of life and power. You'll never feel unloved. You may have a moment, but at the end of the day, you'll know that love of God. And you'll never fear the future. Why? Because you know God's in control of it. You know he's in control of everything. Amen. So this has to be the foundation of everything we build on in our walk with Jesus. If you're missing areas of the love of God, it's time to experience him. And what a better time than on our 21-day fast. Amen? Amen? We're going to commit to this. Get your journals out today. Decide what you're going to do, what it looks like. Designate your time with God over these next. I'm going to do morning if you have to get up a little earlier, or maybe night, or your lunch, or wherever you can fit it in. Find time to say, I'm going to fellowship and have a bond with Jesus and you watch him do something so special for you. I'm expecting God to speak to me. I'm expecting God to open up this church to receive all that God has. He already has it, amen? I'm just getting my faith, I'm getting that vision to see what God sees, so that we can walk in the fullness of it, amen? So Father, I thank you for every person here. I thank you for every person watching at home, whether later or now. Holy Spirit, touch everyone. I thank you, God, that you're restoring joy and you're taking off the works and the performance and the religion that we rely so much on, God. We're going to give that all to you. We will serve with joy. We will do all those things, but not performance-based, God. We will do it in freedom because you chose us. I, We choose you. We will do it in that relationship, God, with no legalistic, no self-worth, all about you, Father God. We love you and we celebrate this moment in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Love you all so much.